Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq Alameen, and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. And before we go any further, I've got to wish uh, all my beloved uh, Muslim family, Ramadan Mubarak, blessed Ramadan to you. I pray that the fast is going well and we are savoring these remaining days that we have, that, that we are in. If you are new to the Radio Islam family, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. You can keep up with us by following and liking our pages on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Radio Islam USA. That's at Radio Islam USA. And you can also catch up on those episodes that have passed you by wherever you get your podcasts. So if you're on SoundCloud, TuneIn, iTunes, or Google Play, you will find us at that same username, at Radio Islam USA. I'll say it again, at Radio Islam USA. Feel free to tweet uh, tweet at us uh, throughout the program. Uh, hit us on Facebook. Uh, and if you'd like to, just give us a call. You can do so at 312-750-1178. 312-750-1178. Okay, family. Um, we are in for a, a special, special treat because the, the stars have aligned. No, I'm not going to go that route. I'm going to say that, uh, that it is the will of Allah, right? That we were able to get the guest that we have on with us this evening. Um, uh, there, was, there was a moment, just time zones are, are a trip, right? Time zones, they are just, they are a force to be reckoned with. But this evening... I am pleased to announce that we have joining us on the phone, Mariam Umjuaria uh, Sullivan. Uh, she is an indigenous American-born Muslima, Muslima educator, author, playwright, journalist, and performance artist. Umjuaria's novel, The Size of a Mustard Seed, was the first published urban Muslim fiction title. She is also the founder and director of Muslim Girls Read, a literacy initiative that raises money for Muslim fiction books for Muslim schools. Assalamu alaikum, Um Jawariya. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. How are you, Brother Tariq? How are you? Alhamdulillah, I'm doing well. It is a pleasure to have you on the program, a pleasure to talk to, uh, talk with you. And um, and I just want to dive right in and ask you, so why Muslim fiction? What was the impetus for it? Oh, alhamdulillah. Well, um, Muslim fiction um, is so needed. Um for myself and, and for uh, the generations to come, inshallah. I, I, I love to read. I'm, before I'm a writer, I'm an avid reader. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the library for myself was a safe haven. Um, I used, my, my parents would bring me to the library on the weekends, and, you know, I would come home with five or ten books to read through the week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, throughout elementary school, middle school, you know, I was infatuated with the Judy Blooms and, um, you know, the, the Sweet Valley High books. <laughs> and I always thought that it was interesting that the lives that I found um, myself drawn to at the time were, were unlike myself. You know, I, could, I never found a character in those books. Mm-hmm that looked like me, who believed like me, who worshipped like me. So as I got older, um, high school, I started writing my own stories. And um, it just just blossomed from there. Mm. 
And I have to say, when when you mention um, looking for characters that that look like you, that talk like you, dress dress like you, believe like you do, uh, that absence and how that how it's noticeable, and and that presence, that inclusion was so noticeable for me when I read um, as I as I'm as I'm reading, tried and tested. Uh, and I've mm-hmm. had a uh, conversation with a friend, uh, Sister uh, Leila Abdullah-Poulos of uh, NBA Muslim, uh, who actually is the one who opened my eyes up to the, to the, to the genre itself. And one of the things that I expressed uh, then uh, to her and I express now is just this level of comfort uh, in reading these pages uh, and seeing these characters that I could see in my, in my own family. Yeah, uh, that was that's just such a wow. It's it's just a, such an, an affirming uh, action. I'm uh, that. Yeah, so I, I really appreciate that. So, what are your what are your motivations uh, in your writing? Because uh, you've written a number of of books. Um, well, you know, what? Let, let me let me dial it back a moment because one of the books that you've written was it had a theme or it was related to autism. Mm-hmm. Could you talk to us a little bit about that? Which which book was that? Hen's Hands, the story about autism. Mm. That was my first uh, children's Muslim, urban Muslim children's fiction book. Okay. Um, and it dealt with uh, two sisters who, one, the younger sister was autistic, and the older sister was learning with her parents how to um, to integrate her into the family, to love her, to be sisters and uh, to bond with one another. Mm-hmm. And the motivation behind Hen's Hand, the story about autism, was my own daughters. Um, I use their name, Hind is my youngest daughter, mm-hmm. and Juadia is my oldest daughter. And so I used their relationship to write that story. Actually, my, my daughter, Juadia, at the time she was eight, she helped me with that story a lot mm-hmm. as we dealt with her understanding her do- my daughter's, my youngest daughter's diagnosis and um, the responsibility, the weight of it that, that she had to deal with um, and being a big, big sister to a little sister who is autistic, globally delayed. Mm-hmm. Now, that's one of those topics, I think, although there has been, I think, a lot more public conversation around it uh, to bring greater awareness to autism. Uh, I don't know that if it has been one that's been had specifically within the the Muslim community, and not to say that every conversation that, that happens in the public space has to be repeated, but within the within the Muslim community, but but still, it's just my own personal observation. I don't think that I've seen a whole lot of observation, a whole lot of um, uh, work in trying to bring uh, awareness to that uh, writ large. Uh, would you say that that is the case in, in your awareness as well? Right. Uh, Hence Hands, The Story of Autism was the first Muslim fiction book published in the United States on autism awareness in um, an American family dealing with that. So, alhamdulillah, you know, we, we, were, we were trailblazing with that as well. Um, you know, amazing. as a parent of a child with special needs, mm-hmm. I have learned that, you know, there's all sorts of families in different communities. I, I received emails and, and messages and, and DMs from people all over the world, but especially in the United States um, who have family members or who have parents, who have siblings um, with special needs. Right. And it wasn't until they saw that book 
that they could, they felt represented. So, of course, definitely that's my autism awareness books that I've been pushing um, since 2012 to raise autism awareness in the Muslim community and in urban communities alike. Well, I think that, that's a wonderful thing and much needed, and it's great to have. Uh, it's great to have a book that uh, that you can share that that we can allow for people to to, to be the, the mouthpiece um, uh, for it because everybody's not going to be able to, to get up and articulate um but to have a book to do it, uh, I think that that's a wonderful, a wonderful thing. You know, may Allah reward you uh, for that. Um, <clears throat> so I'm just kind of go- going down the down the list uh, because you cover uh, you cover quite a bit uh, of ground. Uh, uh, it seems <laughs> so as uh, an educator, author, playwright. Sleep is in short supply for you uh, with with <laughs> with everything that you're doing. I, I want to go back to. Uh, tried and tested uh, because it just made mm-hmm. such a great, uh, a real, a really big impact on me. I'm, I've been a reader, you know, my whole life, and my, I have three daughters, and one of them in particular, she really, she she really loves to read, so she's she can't wait to get her hands uh, on this book, uh, and she will within the next day or so, inshallah. So, uh, can you tell us what were, what were the the motivations? Uh, for this book, how how did you how did you decide to to come up with this this story of of Iman um, that that touches on so many so many um, topics? I think that are really important that sometimes we don't want to talk about as Muslims. We don't want to talk about mm-hmm. substance abuse. We don't want to talk about, about addiction or you know just down the list. What was the what were you, what was your motivation? The Muslim community, uh, being a Muslim educator Mm -hmm. um, and working, having had the pleasure and the opportunity to work in several Muslim schools here in the United States and abroad, Mm -hmm. and growing up Muslim myself and going to public school all my life and in colleges, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then going abroad and seeing that some of the same issues that, uh, the Muslim youth are dealing with here, um, that the Muslim youth are dealing with overseas in Muslim countries, and the idea that, you know, um, that being surrounded by, you know, Muslims or having a Muslim government takes away the trials and the tests, and mm. it doesn't. Right. Because Allah has, has already decreed for all of mankind to be tried and tested. Mm-hmm. So I, I wanted to write about... Um, from an urban American Muslim perspective, some of the trials and the tests um, that that are are prevalent in our communities, and and show um, the humanness of it, and to also open a conversation about what's really going on in Muslim communities, what's going on with Muslim youth, and. To talk about, I mean, we all know that everyone is tried and tested, but how deep it goes, mm-hmm. I think there's there is some denial there. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and I think there's also an element, and I, I, you touched on this in the book. I think you presented it um, really just expertly. Um, the, the shame that goes with not conquering the trial the first mm-hmm. time around. And um, and the uncomfortable conversations that come along with or uncomfortable realizations that come along with that, because everybody expects that 
when you say you're Muslim, that, that, that means that you have already succeeded, that you've already passed all the tests, but it just really puts you in line for the test. So the, the shame aspect, I think that was one of the things that uh, jumped out to me. Um, uh, oh, absolutely. So. I think there's a lot of shame and a lot of faking that goes on in our community. <laughs> you know, there's a whole facade of just being, you know, as, as one thing that I think uh, Jabril said to Iman, you know, you just Muslim of the year, you just, you know, super Muslim, uh, super Muslim, you know. <laughs> right. You want everyone to believe that you're doing the most, you know, but really on the inside, you know, you're struggling with all of these different things and, and you're crumbling mm-hmm. because you're afraid to reach out and actually seek help or receive resources and, and, and to admit that, you know, you're having difficulty. Right. So I sort of, in that response, it brought me back to that original question about why Muslim fiction. And, and, a, and a part of that answer for me as I'm reading, like I said, just just becoming really acquainted with it, uh, just in the, in the very uh, recent, uh, very recent, a uh, uh, um, few months ago, is that it allows us to look at somebody else going through situations that we may go through, or we may know that somebody else is going through, uh, and yes. and 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 in seeing that, then it gives you an opportunity to be able to well, maybe there's a way for me to have to support or to have those conversations. What have been some of, what are, what are some of the responses that that you have gotten uh, about this particular work? Some responses on tried and tested or just the books in general? Well, you know, I, I would love to hear uh, the answer to both. Alhamdulillah, uh, tried and tested. I, I don't know if 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 there is another book. I, I, I read a lot of Muslim fiction. I, I try to stay up on my Muslim fiction um, and Muslim authors. Um, here and abroad, mm-hmm. um, but I, I will have to say again that it, you know, tried and tested some of the issues that I discussed, whether it was mental health issues, abuse, sexual violence, um, addiction, mm-hmm. uh, apostation from Islam, all of those things coming together in one story. I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> if any other authors have crossed that path yet. Yeah. Um, so it was just, it just had has been really um, phenomenal to see the support and to see um, so many Muslims. The letters that I receive, sometimes they're heartbreaking. Sometimes they're, um, I I receive a letter from a a sister in in, in jail. Mm -hmm. And quite a few of my books, they they make it to the prisons. I've worked in the prisons in the United States. And so I always try to send the books there and, uh, you know, she was telling me that, you know, she was Iman, you know, her mm. grandfather was Muslim and she knew about Allah. She knew about Rasulullah, but, um, you know, the street life that just called to her and she got involved with men and then she got in that led to drugs and then that led to crime. And, you know, she was telling me that, you know, after she read that book, she had the inspiration to, to stand up and pray after so many years and it just brought me to tears to to know that uh the story even though it's not real it Mm. really is all made up in my mind um (laughs) that it 
it is leading people to evaluate themselves and to speak up and to turn back to Allah. And, and that representation of real Muslim life is so needed yeah. um, and, and vital to the success of our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, the, one of the other themes that I, I picked up was family relationships um, mm-hmm. and how, how they define us and how they change us depending when we lose a family member, uh, whether they go away, uh, whether they, you know, uh, they return back to Allah, you know, they, they, they die. Um, uh, Iman's, uh, her sister, her younger yes. sister, how she responded to Iman's absence and how mm-hmm. that affected her. How, um, was it, uh, Sharif, the older brother, the, uh, the older, bro- no, not Sharif, his younger brother, um, ma- ma- yes, yes. How he responded to Sharif's um, uh, absence. I'm not going to give anything away. Give anything, give anything away in the book, but yeah, just how how these the presence or the absence of the people that define us, and we don't even realize yeah. how they define us. But um, I thought that was something one of those uh, one of those elements that added so much. Uh, as far as, you know, just reflecting uh, on my, my own family. Uh, mm. I thought that was just, yeah, I, you covered you covered a whole lot in yeah. one in one book. And it's not a huge book. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how you did that one. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> are you working on anything else right now? I am. I am. I, we just finished up Yassine's Big Dream. Um, it's another children's book coming out. Okay. My first male character for uh, the, the children's fiction uh, line that we do. Um, and I'm really excited about that. Inshallah, that will be out by Ida Aha uh, coming up. Inshallah. And uh, um, I'm really excited to uh, have a male character and, uh, and to advance literacy um, and, and to draw some attention to the things that are important to our young brothers, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. Okay, look, Radio Islam family, what we're going to do, we're going to take a really short break, and when we come back, we will uh, continue our conversation with Um Juwaria, and uh, and we'll find out some more about uh, black, uh, I'm sorry, Muslim girls read, and I've got a few questions about you as a playwright as well. So we'll, we'll, we'll get into that when we come back. All right, this is our Radio Slime on WCV 1450. We'll be right back. People have all kinds of excuses for not saving energy. I didn't plug it in. I'll turn it off later. It's not my music. It's just one phone charger. So... Um, we don't have those Energy Star appliances. So that old window leaks. How much energy and money could the new ones really save? Maybe it's time to stop making excuses and start doing some simple things to save the energy and resources we can. Cause a little here and a little there can add up to a lot later. And you just never know what people will need in the future. My name is Sarah and I'm going to get started today. We can all help save more energy for tomorrow. What's your excuse? For more energy-saving tips that also save money, visit loseyourexcuse.gov parents. 
This message is brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy, the Ad Council, and this station. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America in your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming live at WCEV1450.com. Remember, you can keep up with us by following us on social media at Radio Islam USA. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And you can also find us wherever you get your podcast, once again, at Radio Islam USA. Feel free feel free to tweet uh, or post on our Facebook page. Uh, throughout the course of tonight's program, or you can give us a call at 312-750-1178. We are joined on the phone this evening by Um Jueria. Uh, she is a educator, author, playwright, journalist, and performance artist. As a matter of fact, I've got to go back as far as being an author. Uh, one of the many books that she has written is Tried and Tested. You need to go to Amazon or wherever you get your books at, and you need to get the book. It is a, it is a great read. All right. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, um, Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullah. Uh, I was just really taken with the uh, with the book, and um, you know, when you find something good, you have to share it. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, um, tell us a bit about your work as a um, uh, as as a playwright. Um, I've got mm. a bit of a theater background, so that always interests me. Yes. Well, I, I have uh, one of my degrees is actually in creative writing. And, um, you know, um, in college, I started writing plays. Mm -hmm. And uh, alhamdulillah, I've been lucky enough to to stage a couple of them uh, in the New England area. We've staged plays at Yale 
in Boston at uh, Harvard University mm-hmm. and uh, in the Springfield, Massachusetts area as well. And it's something that I love to do. I don't have a lot of time to do it as often as uh, I'd like because most for the last three years I've been out of the country uh, teaching abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm hoping, inshallah, that uh, now that I'm back here in the States, that it's something that I can, I can get back into and, and work on more, inshallah, and, and involve Muslim youth in learning about stage arts and performing arts as well. Mm. Yeah, inshallah. You know, much like the literary scene, uh, the the theater scene is 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 pr- it's pretty um, pretty much the same. Where there's a there's a definitely a lack of representation. And yeah, what uh, do you know of many? I mean, I know about my my mother. Right, she's a Chicago legend. I don't know of many. There, there are not many Muslim playwrights and Muslim uh, directors no. in, in, oh, in no. theater. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, it's, it's um it's definitely one of those those areas, um you know when you walk into the classroom you walk into the space you're uh, acutely aware of your uh, being a minority, mm-hmm. um in the in in that field. And, and you know if I can ask if there is a typical response, uh, what has that response been to you being in those spaces where? Typically, whether um, as a uh, African American, Muslim, or woman, uh, that we mm-hmm. are not present in. Yeah, I was born and raised in uh, New England, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I've been, I was born and raised Muslim, and you know, just from the early on, just you know, from grade school on up to graduate school, right. um, most of the time, I've I've always been, um, you know, the only you know black Muslim girl you know, in, in a space or, or another. Right. And, um, and so for me, it's, it's become my norm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that um, Allah puts me in those places and spaces to represent and to show um, the talent that exists in our community to, to speak truth to our, our narrative, to share um, with others. Uh, to bring diversity and understanding and and to build community. You know, those are uh, the foundations that I really started with back in, in 2009 and that I moved into with the Muslim Girls Read um, Literacy Initiative. Is mm-hmm. that, inshallah, we need to build up um, in our communities, especially in the inner city, inner city, Muslim girls and Muslim boys as well, who are readers and leaders, inshallah, who feel comfortable going into spaces that they're not invited into <laughs> ordinarily mm. right. um, and can authentically and b- bravely represent us. Right, right. Well, I think the idea of, uh, of, of championing uh, literacy as a way of producing leaders, uh, that, is, that is certainly, I think that's the way we should definitely all be thinking. Um, is the Muslim Girls Read is that campaign, is that something that is, um, how, how old is it? When did it begin again? It began three years ago. Okay, all right. And is that, is that a program where it is, um, is it just about uh, providing literature, or is there a, like a mentoring component that goes along with it? Uh, how, how is it structured? Yes, yeah, so... It started with with definitely just the books, 
um, you know, a sister had wrote me through Facebook, um, and she was telling me that, you know, her home had a, uh, had a fire, mm-hmm. and kind of lost she, you know, all of her daughter's things were destroyed in the fire. And she had my first novel, The Size of a Mustard Seed, and um, she said she lost the book in the fire, and her daughter wanted her books back, you know, and she didn't have the money to replace the books. Mm-hmm. And that was the only thing that her daughter was concerned with. And again, it's just one of those things that tugged at my heart, you know. We, we don't have a libraries in other, you know, every city, and sometimes even though I, I push for my books to get into the library because I know that myself growing up in the inner city, that was my way to get new books. Um, in some communities, you can't find our books, Muslim fiction. Right. And so it started there with, okay, let's get books into Muslim fiction books into the inner city. Let's get them into massages. Let's get them into Muslim schools. Let's start focusing on building um, spaces for Muslim fiction in our communities so that our children have access to them, mm-hmm. whether they can pay for them or not. And from there, with the Muslim Girls page, we've started doing workshops. We do interviews with Muslim authors. We give, you know, giveaways of free books. Um, we do uh, programs, and, and we do matching with authors and children in all over the United States, but my focus is on the inner-city Muslim community. Mm. Mm. Now, let me ask this. I know how important it is for me and for my children to be able to open up a book where they see themselves represented, um, you know, in, their, in, their, in the totality of their existence. Um, but how important do you feel is it for others outside Excuse me. <clears throat> Fasting cough. Uh, how, how, how important is it for others outside of uh, the African-American, the black Muslim community, to also be reading these books? Outside of what? Uh, the Muslim community? Yes. Yes. Outside the Muslim community. But the characters are generally, these are, um, uh, they're African-American Muslims. Right. Right. So how important is it, uh, in your estimation, I have an opinion on this. I want to see what you think uh, about, right. uh, about about having others outside of that demographic also reading, being exposed to this uh, literature. It's crucial to our survival mm-hmm. um, to represent ourselves, not just for our own community, but also for um, the larger society. There is an erasure of the history of indigenous black and brown Muslims in the United States and all over the world Mm -hmm. that goes on. And I believe that it is intentional. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. it is um, a lot of social engineering going on in terms of that. But in in, in terms of building um, understanding Mm -hmm. and preserving history and teaching about the foundations of Islam and how it spread in the United States, um, and in the West, mm-hmm. it's very, very important that we represent ourselves and that we showcase ourselves in our lives, in our communities, in the work that we have done in the past and the work that we continuously do um, to support ourselves in other 
groups of Muslims who are here and those who are coming. Um, so again, that that's um, another reason why Muslim fiction is so crucial to have and to represent us and to putting ourselves into the conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, like, like I mentioned earlier, a few months ago, four months ago, I would not have I would not have known that I would feel so strongly about a, a, a genre that I knew nothing about um, well, as fine. I do as I do today. Uh, and to echo and, and maybe uh, just just add my two cents on to what you said, um, uh, literature, fiction, um, comedy, uh, you know, whatever. But if we're talking about, about fiction, I think that it's it's vital in a sense that it gives a window into the lives of people that you may not. Uh, you may not have access to. Uh, yeah. uh, you may not feel uh, a sense of uh, of comfort in being able to ask particular questions. Um, but either way, whatever the situation is, it's a voice and it's a conversation that can that can be taken back. Uh, and and also it can be the platform for for dialogue. And if there's one thing that we need in this idyllic uh, way that we talk about the Ummah uh, quite often is that we need much more conversation um, mm-hmm. so that, because sometimes we don't realize that we're dysfunctional. Um, and there's, you know, we've got a healthy amount of connectivity and, you know, there, there are a lot of great efforts that are going on across across the Ummah, but there's also dysfunction, as you would find in any family. And I think this genre and books like yours uh, help to, they facilitate a conversation. So um, that being said, um, you mentioned the size of a mustard seed. Yeah. Now, what was the premise for that, uh, for that book? The size of a mustard seed was my first uh, novel, the, the first urban Muslim fiction novel that was published in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it dealt with uh, the lives of young women, young Muslim women, in New England, uh, like myself, um, and their experiences post 9-11 mm. and how, you know, the shift, you, you know, um, the change that happened and the divide right. that was so prevalent um, mm. throughout so many Muslim communities and, and, and the change that we had to make in order to um, exist at that time. Hmm. Now, was the what would you say the major change was? Uh, because I know there are there were there were sisters who um, who stopped going out, who withdrew mm-hmm. from public life. Uh, yes. There were others who uh, modified or removed their uh, their kimar or their hijab. Yep. Uh, and you know, and the. The circumstances, obviously, for, for those of us um, who recall that time and were impacted by it, remember that this was a time where people, where you're, you're, you feared for your life uh, in certain yeah. certain spaces. But what what were some of the the changes that that you witnessed and maybe that you can uh, share with uh, that you illustrated in, in the in the book? Well, that was that. I remember when it happened. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it was for me personally. Um, I had just I had just had a baby, and I, you know you know my husband was fearful of me going outside. Mm-hmm. 
so for that whole month, you know, I, I pretty much stayed in the house. Yeah. yeah. Um, my daughter's first uh, wellness check, he took her, my husband took her to the hospital by himself because he was worried about what the doctors would say, what the nurses would say, what would the people say. Um, and so it was, you know, for the first time, you know, ever in my life, mm-hmm. I, I felt like, you know, I was a target, you know, my hijab and I, I would be considered not American because of the way that I looked, right. um, regardless of, you know, my accent, regardless of my, the color of my skin, I would automatically be assumed that, you know, I was a threat. Um, you know, things were canceled in the community. Um, at one point they were considering canceling Juma, mm-hmm. you know, and there was, you know, people were arguing. There was so much, there was so much confusion and anger, you know, sisters were afraid, husbands were afraid. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, it just was, it was a powerful experience. The fear I had never seen before. I just had never seen that level of fear and, and anxiety and depression. That was, you know, the, you know, the first time, you know, I heard, you know, Muslims talking openly about feeling depressed right. and, and feeling like you said, I need to, I need to change. I need to take off my hijab. Those were real conversations. Yeah. You know, what do you say today to looking at where we were at that point and where we are now, the cultural and political climate uh, that has been uh, fostered by so much, uh, whether blatant hate speech or um, innuendo? uh, Where do you think we are in particular as 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 a Muslim woman? What do you what what do you think are the what do you feel like the conditions are right now? What is the attitude? Uh, is are some of those same? Do you feel like those that same anxiety is is creeping back up, or do you think we're a ways off from that? You know, I it's it's interesting to gauge it. I've I've been out of the country for for quite a bit of time, but um, you know I've, I've you know. B- jumping back and forth in the summertime to the states mm-hmm. and, and, and going around speaking at different communities and talking to Muslim youth, I know for sure that what, what I'm seeing develop, in, especially amongst young Muslim women, is this new level of, and I think it's just because this, they're a different generation. Mm-hmm. They didn't see the towers fall, so they don't, they didn't see the smoke. They didn't hear um, the talk on, you know, the television and, and the discrimination. But right now, with with still this Islamophobia, mm-hmm. what Alhamdulillah seems to be happening is uh, an emergence of strength amongst Muslim women mm-hmm. um, to represent themselves authentically, to have their voices be heard, mm-hmm. um, you know, to speak for themselves. You know, I think young Muslim girls are very strong about that, speaking for themselves, not allowing others, whether it's inside of the Muslim community or outside of the Muslim communities, to um, to categorize them. Um, and so I think that's a good thing. I think that is a, a really good thing. Um, you see a strength 
and a unity that is happening amongst the Muslim youth. You see a lot of community building through social media. I think people are able to find their people a little bit more easier than, you know, 17 years ago. Right. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Because they have all of this, uh, the social media is such a powerful tool, um, and we didn't have that years ago. So I think they're, they're able to connect and to get support through hashtags and and protesting in ways and use social media in ways that um, just wasn't available to um, my generation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, absolutely. So I think that in, in that sense, um, there's a strength there. There's a, a, a community mindedness and in, in building that is beautiful to see. But of course, I feel like Islamophobia is has risen. It's it, it's ten times worse than it was you know, 17 years ago. Yeah, it's it's crazy to think that it's been 17 years. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, but I guess it has been. It um, has, because my daughter is going to be 17 this month. <laughs> oh, really? Inshallah. <laughs> Inshallah, Yeah, my, my twins, they'll be 17 in uh, October, Inshallah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so this is the this is the only life, the only reality that that they're familiar with. So, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, speaking of hashtags, um, one comes to mind and that is women lead. Uh, And that has become a very powerful uh, call for a call to action and a call to uh, uh, just to be present. And, uh, you know, and and I'm happy to see that as a father of, you know, three daughters um, to see that this is socially we're coming to a space where, um, that there, there's a spo- responsibility that goes along with that, uh, with leading and with using your voice. And so I ask you, mm-hmm. one, one of my, uh, this might be our last question based on uh, the time. Um, what do you feel your uh, responsibility is and what do you want your, your legacy to be as a, a multi, multi um, uh, talented individual who is um, authoring, play, playwright, journal, journalist, you know, so many covering, covering so much ground. What do you want your legacy to be, and what do you feel your responsibility is? Oh goodness, subhanAllah. Um, you know, <laughs> just I want it to be known that um, I was for the community and our representation in an authentic manner, mm-hmm. um, in truthfulness, uh, with respect and honor to those who came before me, the Muslims who have done so much for our community to persevere, um, that I was true to their Nia mm. for us to to propagate this deen mm. and to be strong in our sense and our purpose and our reliance on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that I created spaces where Muslim girls and Muslim boys and our older generation can can see themselves can laugh at themselves, can cry in the remembrance of their own trials and tribulations and their triumphs, mm-hmm. um, and that I love the Muslims and that I am blessed to be amongst all of us, and that, inshallah, that uh, I am brought back to life, inshallah, in the hereafter, in the akira, with those who believe. Inshallah. 
I mean, final question. Where can people, the Radio Sound family, where can they find you on social media? Where can they uh, stay connected to the, the work that you're doing? Um, just Google me, Umjuadia, and that's U-M-M-J-U-W-A-Y-R-I-Y-A-H. Um, you can find me on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. Uh, you can find my blog on blogger.com. Um, you can find me in your local libraries. Please support your local libraries. Go to the libraries and ask for Muslim fiction. Even if you don't ask for me, ask for Um Zakia, ask for Zara J, ask for my brother Nasheed, uh, ask for my brother Tuhib, and all the Muslim authors around the world who are um, representing Muslim life, whether it's here or abroad. Go to your libraries and request it. You can also find me at Barnes & Noble. You can find me on Amazon.com. You can also find me on Books Depository, which has free shipping. Um, mm. Inshallah, just, you know, just reach out, you know, send me an email, send me a tweet, and I, I would love to talk with you and respond. All right. Alhamdulillah. Um, you know what? And when that next book uh, does go to print, uh, please let us know. We want to definitely uh, support. Um, so, yeah, well, we pray for your continued success, uh, continue doing the work. And, um, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Um Jueria, it has been a pleasure talking to you. We thank you for taking the time to to talk with us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Barakallahu feek. Wa jazakallahu khair. All right, Radio Islam family, hope you have enjoyed our conversation this evening. Uh, but as always, we've got to be out in an hour. So at this point, I want to go ahead and thank our engineer over at WCEV, Ramon. Thank you very much, sir. We thank our engineer in studio, the impressive one, Ibrahim Baig. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the, the words or views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. Yes, we're foundation. All right, with that, good folks, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum, Ramadan Mubarak. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.